So I used to hate the words God's timing. When I would hear that growing up, it would really make me uncomfortable and I would say it. And I think we're used to saying the words God's timing, God's timing, ajbona dalaha, ajbona dalaha. But to be honest, it just really made me very uncomfortable growing up. And even till this day, sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable when things are not going according to my timing and they're going according to God's timing. And I believe that we can all relate to this at times, right? As human beings, there are just things in our lives that we say God's timing and really we're not okay with God's timing. We're not okay with it. And the reason a lot of us have a hard time with these words, God's timing, those two words, is because death to ourselves and our plans has to take place. And we don't like that. I don't like that. Right, so an actual death has to take place in order to be open to God's timing. A death of, uh, the actual death that needs to take place is a death to control. Right, as human beings we can be very controlling. So we say God's timing, but at the end of the day, that requires a true death that needs to take place internally. And that makes us hurt, that makes us uncomfortable because we don't want to let go of control. So control needs to die in our lives in order for us to be used to the words and be comfortable with the words, God's timing. Right again, death to control to our plans, death to control over my life, death to control of my expectations. So consistent death needs to take place. And the problem with control rather than God's timing is that control, we would say, is an unholy spirit. We talk about holy spirits and we talk about unholy spirits. And control is not from God. And so I know if I'm operating from this place of control, it's not from God. And so we know when we call it in the spiritual life an unholy spirit, and the reason we would call it an unholy spirit is because the spirit, unholy spirit of control, has other mem members of the family. So control of the same family comes anxiety, comes fear, comes worry, comes perfectionism, comes self-reliance, I have to be self-reliant, I gotta figure this out. Well, that comes from control. And also what comes from control is an ugly spirit of faithlessness. Faithlessness, right? Control leads to faithlessness because we can find ourselves saying over and over again, although we're saying God's timing, this faithlessness starts to kick in because we're not comfortable with it. We wanna be in control. And what do we start saying? That God doesn't care about me. Right? God has forgotten about me. God is punishing me. That God doesn't love me. And so these things start to kick into our lives, whether we're verbally saying them or whether we're believing them in our hearts, that we start to think this way because control leads to faithlessness. Along with the anxiety, worry, perfectionism, and self-reliance. And the enemy... The unholy spirit loves when we utter these words, either by just thinking them or we actually say them. In today's gospel, we hear of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we see two beautiful examples today in today's gospel where surrender to God's timing had to take place and death to their control needed to take place. The first example that we see is Zechariah and Elizabeth's infertility, right? them being unable to produce children, a huge cross for them. But they had to be open to this idea of God's timing versus control, which leads to worry, anxiety, fear, and self-reliance and faithlessness. 
We know from today's gospel, right, that they really wanted this child and they didn't know when and if this child was going to come. But although they continued to pray for it, they still had this faith. They still had this hope. This is freedom. When we can say, this is what I want, God. But God, your timing. I will continue to pray for this, but your timing, Lord, this rids us of the ugly spirit of control and then this freedom that we experience. They remained faithful to God even though they had no idea when their prayer was going to be heard. We know they remained faithful to God not because they're just in the Bible, but because the Bible itself in today's reading says it. So we hear in the Bible, both were righteous in the eyes of God, observing all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. If they were racked up with this control and fear and anxiety and stress and discouragement and resentment, why would they remain blameless in God's eyes still following the commandments? They had to let their control die and really be open to God's timing. Also, we heard that Zechariah was a priest. And he continued what we heard. We, we continued his, that he can, we heard that he continued his priestly duties, right? He could have said, you know what? Just things are not going according to plan. Right? Things are not going according to plan. Why did he remain a priest? Why, when his lot was chosen for him to go and serve the, 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 the altar that year, that he went? We see that they continue to be open to God's timing. They continue to surrender and die to control, which allowed them to still serve God, remain faithful, and not and become great saints today. So that's one example that we see where they really had to die to self-control or die to uh, their control and really be open to God's timing. The second example that we see is when Zechariah loses a speech. Right? He loses his ability to speak. And so he could have abandoned his faith. But instead, we see this beautiful letting go of control, not dying, or being open to God's will, being open to God's timing of when he's going to receive his speech back. He could have fell, again, he could have fallen into this deep depression, this deep anxiety. He could have been uh, sad and ran off, and we just didn't hear about him anymore. But the scripture tells us that he remains faithful to his priestly duties in the midst of losing his ability to speak. We hear in the gospel, he remains faithful. It says, then when his days of ministry were complete, he went home. He could have lost his speech and said, I'm leaving with you, Elizabeth. Let's get out of here. Well, he couldn't have said that. He probably wrote it on his tablet, not the iPad tab tablet, but writing it somehow, some way, saying, let's get out of here. God has abandoned us. God is, is disappointed in us. God is punishing us. He remained in this church. He remained in the temple serving God, having no idea what's going to happen. So brothers and sisters, all of us have multiple things that we are waiting on God for right now. All of us. Right? All of us have multiple things that we are waiting on God for. Either to give us something, I want this thing, or to take this thing away. I'm waiting for you, God, to take this thing away or to give me this thing. All of us, myself included. And Advent, as we've entered into Advent, is a perfect time to die to ourselves, to die to this control, and be open to God's timing. Why Advent? Why is Advent a perfect time? Because Advent actually translates into 
uh, into waiting. The word Advent translates into waiting. So we're in this waiting period. We're in this waiting period not for I'm waiting for God to give me this thing or God to take away this thing. Advent is a time, brothers and sisters, where we enter more deeply in waiting for Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. To be reborn in our hearts where that fear and anxiety and stress and self-reliance and control is trying to take over us. And we say, absolutely not. This is not the time for you. This is the time for me, this Advent season, to wait on my Lord and my God to enter into this time. Some of us go through Advent and nothing changes. We're completely the same. Christmas comes and we're still angry and we're still in control. We're still all these things. That's because we're not allowing the transformation to take place in our hearts. There are special graces during Advent that God wants to give us as we prepare for his coming. As we wait for his arrival. If we truly want these next 23 days to be life-changing, we have to die to control. We have to die to our plans. We have to die to what it is that we want and stop waiting, thinking God is ripping us off, hates us, abandoned us, not listening to us, punishing us. Why would I want to celebrate that person's birthday if that's what I think of him? I wouldn't want to. If that's the God we believe in, then that, there's nothing exciting about that. His birthday becomes just another day. So, this is the time. This is the time that we wait, Advent, for the coming of our Lord Jesus. Yes, he's already here. But this anticipation of coming back to our beautiful faith and what our story is, that the Savior had to become, our God had to become a little baby, and to ponder that God became man so he can save me 33 years later. That's what the next 23 days should look like. Not God take away this thing and take away this thing and take away this thing or give me this thing and give me this thing and give me this thing. This is his birthday. What are we giving him? He's trying to prepare us and he's still generous and he's still going to give us graces. If we go into this time of Advent with the right type of attitude. So what can we do practically? How do we die to control to our time and grow in trust in God's timing this Advent? What practically can we do? What I would say is over the next 22, 23 days, every time I think of that thing that God, I want you to give me or that thing that I want you to take away from me, every time, what I would replace that, and how do we know, right? How do we know that I'm thinking about this thing whether I'm praying about it or not, is I just feel that control. I feel that worry. I feel that, that anxiety. So when that kicks in over the next 22, 23 days, that's my, those are my emotions speaking to me. What do I do? I would just say, and what I want to do over these next 23 days myself, is just say something like, Jesus, I trust in you and your timing. Jesus, I trust in you and your timing. Jesus, I trust in you and your timing. That's the first practical thing. Over the next 22, 23 days, let us immerse ourselves in his word. His word, the Bible, the word of God. 
that God wants to speak to us something differently than what it is that we want and what is the thing is that he needs to take away from us. He wants to say other things to us, but we're so busy that I want this thing and I want that thing and this got to go and this has to go and fix this and fix that. And God's like, can I just talk to your heart? Can I speak to you, son? Can I speak to you, daughter? This is the time. Because we know for sure what God wants to give us, although this thing needs to go and this thing needs to come. Besides all that, we know for sure what God's timing is over these next 22, 23 days is to speak to us about something else that you and I are self-absorbed in. And they're good things. I'm not trying to be insensitive. But this is not the time. So to immerse ourselves, the book of Luke has 24 chapters in it. Let us read a chapter every single day. And Lord, what do you want to say to me today in this chapter? You want to talk to me. What is your word for me? I know for sure you want to say something to me. Let us not read these words through the book of Luke every chapter a day, a day a chapter. Not just as a historical book. Zechariah, Mary gets her calling. We know the story. Jesus enter into the scripture verses. Lord, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me today through this chapter that I'm reading? Then we're going to have a life-changing advent. We're going to hear words we've never heard before. Control dies. Worry dies. Anxiety dies. Self-reliance dies. What resurrects? My communication with him. That's what resurrects during this time of advent. And finally, over the next 22, 23 days, when I find myself worried, anxious, or saying things like, God, you don't care about me, or I'm thinking God is punishing me, or, or God is not interested in me, that when I think about these things, what I would say is, what I would say is write that down, right? To write that down, that I don't agree with this thought that I just had, that God has forgotten about me, God has, uh, has, has, is punishing me, that God is not interested in me. Write that down on a little piece of paper. Put it next to the manger that we all have at our houses. Some of you have seven of them. Make use of them now. And write it down and give it to Jesus around the manger as a gift from now until December 25th when it comes here. Imagine how many gifts we've given him. When I didn't give into that negative, toxic, that, that thought that's not from him. That Jesus, I'm writing this down because I am not going to give it power over my life. I'm going to write it down because it is not true. I'm going to write it down because this is going to die. Because if I believe it, I'm giving it strength. Let us teach our children to do this. Let us do this ourselves over the next 23 or 24 days as we approach and all these small gifts, when we do these things, right, not just writing it down, not just saying, Jesus, I trust in you and your timing, not only reading the scripture verses, when we do these things, we're growing in our trust. And that is the greatest gift that we can give Jesus from now until Christmas Day. So brothers and sisters, either these next Advent weeks are just going to be regular weeks or they're going to be life-changing. They're going to be transformative. And the main thing is our control dies and what grows is being confident in God's timing. Amen? Amen.